0: Deconstruction is a word you'll have heard a lot of on this podcast, and if it's your first episode of Unchurchable, then it's a word I think you'll probably hear a lot from here on in. Referring to the process of examining your faith and theology carefully through a lens of critical thinking, deconstruction often results in people re-examining their relationship to faith and church, and it happens in a million different ways. When we look back over time, we can track various different church movements happening, such as the Protestant Reformation, the Charismatic Renewal, and the Neo-Charismatic Movement, to name a few. Part of me wonders whether deconstruction may just be the next big move in religion. That's both wonderful and terrifying. Churches are going to have to evolve if they're going to survive it, and to be quite honest, I think the individuals who have already gone through it, well we know just how much it takes surviving. But there is a phenomenon that coexists alongside deconstruction that concerns me. It's the tendency for people who've gone through it to allow the place they've landed at to become a new type of dogma. People who've deconstructed into atheism think everyone should be one. Agnostics think everyone should become agnostic. Spiritualists think everyone should be spiritualists. But deconstruction is as individual as the person going through it. That's why I love sharing stories and insights from many different places in this deconstructing, de churching, and sometimes deconverting crowd. I met Sani on Instagram where she runs the enlightening and insightful DeChurched girl account. She brings an eloquence to the topic that I really appreciate and she cloaks it all in a no-nonsense gentle strength. I think that's exactly the type of insight and the type of hope that people need to hear when they're deconstructing. So I hope you'll enjoy today's session. I sure did. I'm Kit Kennedy and this is Unchurchable. Hello and welcome to another episode of Unchurchable. Uh, if you haven't figured out by now, I seem to find a lot of joy on Instagram, and one mm-hmm. of the joys that I found on the gram was this woman, uh, dechurched girl, uh, Sani, How are you today?
1: Good. It's been it's been weird trying to figure out like where we both live and getting this <laughs> on, but I'm glad it, I'm I'm finally here. Like I'm excited.
0: Yeah, it's I I saw your account and um and a lot of the people that you follow and I was like, wow, it seems like we're on a very similar but kind of like an adjacent, mm-hmm. I think, journey um out Yo. of out of church and into um a spirituality that really fits us. But I'm I'm very curious about A, your journey. Um I see that you're a Yale divinity student and you're sort of deconstructing at the same time. <laughs> How did that come to be? Um well, I guess to be
1: honest, I probably started deconstructing long before I even realized it, even before yeah. Yale um, and being a divinity student. And mm-hmm. and you know, like full disclosure, like I'm not like getting a degree there. I'm just I'm just taking classes for fun, yeah. and they were okay with that. And yeah, um, they covered some of it, so I guess they liked the stuff I had to say. Um, <laughs> so that was nice. But I, I probably started doing this without realizing while I was in church, maybe six years ago maybe around 2014 15
0: um
1: like my first time really in like a like a official ministry role like it started Mm -hmm. happening around then yeah Um, with one belief at
0: a time usually (laughs) isn't it funny how you start pulling at that one thread just this one thing yeah yeah this one thing (laughs) yeah I
1: didn't even start really like yeah. I, I Yale classes started much later. I started in 2017. I took one or two classes and stopped for a few years, you know, to, you yeah. know, to finish grad school. Yeah. Um, and then now I, since then, I've probably taken one or two classes every year or two, you know. Yeah. 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 <laughs> to do with my work life and all that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So do you mind me asking what what's your work life? What's your professional kind of passion? Sure.
1: Right. <laughs> it's it's interesting timing because I literally like a COVID, week ago. Yes. Yeah, yeah, literally a week ago I lost my job, so Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. That's uh, I am with like 10 or 20 million other Americans right now, so I I I yeah. understand.
0: Yeah. And for context, that's like the whole population of Australia. So, wow. you know. <laughs>
1: oh, my goodness.
0: Yeah. We, I think we're 25 million. Um, Y'all
1: must have a lot of land because that's a big group uh, of land for not that it's many an people.
0: Incredible, it's an incredible amount of land. And really, we're only populated kind of around the outside of, oh. um, of, uh, of the island because, um, yeah, the inside is – so dry and and you know there are some kind of small populations and, and largely indigenous populations throughout Ooh. the interior but yeah like it's um really we're all we're all coastal dwellers or the majority of us anyway so right yeah but i love my i love my country when it's not burning to the ground or suffering from terrible politics speaking uh, of which I've we know noticed, all about that <laughs> yeah you do how are you holding up in the middle of this, I just finished watching the Comey rule with, um, with my, my ex-husband, um, who kind of sat up last night and are like, how many episodes are there of this? And we're like, two, dang it. <laughs> but you know, watching the Trump era play out black lives matter. And one of the topics that you've actually started, um, tackling on your Instagram is, is the topic of white supremacy and church, um, this a must be highly personal um how how a tell me what we need to know about this as conscientious sort of uh christianish people (laughs) (laughs) or deconstructing christians and and people who really want to stand with the marginalized but don't know the first thing about how this white supremacy thing kind of plays out um and what our own blind spots must be
1: um so, I guess a little bit of my background, um, like I'm I'm definitely not an expert on this and I'm not the yeah. person, first person to really talk about this. I think there are much better resources than me, but obviously yeah. my story still matters because it's, mm-hmm. it's a unique one because, you know, I didn't really convert really until um, I, I was like 15. I was a convert yeah. and like I came out of Hinduism. Oh, wow. Yeah. Being more of like an agnostic Hindu. Yeah. Um, so but with white supremacy uh, you know you you just mentioned american politics tonight's the debate yeah. that's probably what i'll um, do after all this yeah um
0: <laughs> D- drink and watch the shit right. go down. Pretty much, yeah
1: pretty much yeah, oh, pretty much yeah thoughts and prayers yeah the prayers vibes anything you can give oh. i think we need it. voodoo
0: dolls also welcome yeah, I think, no? yeah
1: yeah i'll be over there like worshiping whatever i need to do yeah yeah um but yeah, I mean, so I guess since coming out of a lot of the traditional evangelical culture, I don't want to say traditional because it's not necessarily like the orthodox or oldest yeah, tradition. Yeah, yeah. It's really pretty new, to be honest, a lot of the beliefs in there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, I agree. yeah, being where I am now, like, um, and coming out of a lot of the evangelical culture and maybe even parts of the label that come with Christianity like I Mm -hmm. I wouldn't even say I'm really part of that anymore but yeah I mean I still I'm a student of Jesus and obviously I I go to school for this you know yeah (laughs) um but because of that and realizing hey like now that I've kind of left a lot of these traditions like let me see what it's like to go back to where I came from what my
0: ancestors believed in Um, That is so interesting because, um, I've got another friend, Carrie Meyer, who, um, she was of, uh, Mauritian kind of descent and, um, in embracing evangelicalism, it was kind of a rejection of the faith traditions of her ancestors. As I heard deconstruction involved really going back and kind of discovering where she'd come from. And then sorting through the mire of all of that and all of the church stuff and the Jesus stuff versus the church stuff to try to find a spiritual kind of practice that was actually authentic to who she she is now. Right. Um, it's a lot, isn't it? Um, I can't imagine that going from Hinduism or agnostic Hinduism into... Um, evangelicalism and then kind of in the great into the great beyond um, mm. which you describe as uh, somewhere between atheism and metaphysical theism yeah uh, I liked that. that's probably the best phrase.
1: description i can give you right now if yeah. i had to put a label on it but even that it's not going to be very helpful to people mm. that don't know what that means because atheism obviously has some strong connotations yeah in like the evangelical world you know they'll see me as just one way, right? This black and white kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. But I. I, I yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's I kind the, of look. Yeah. Here's my tick. I have a nervous laugh, or like I laugh <laughs> in, in agreement instead of like, and, and sometimes that's terribly inappropriate. Um, so, but hey, my listeners know that about me by now. I think you've touched on something quite interesting. Labels aren't really helpful for the deconstructing or de churching person, are they? no (laughs) Um, because spiritual exploration isn't quite doesn't color in the lines right right because
1: if we had to if we had to label i think any of us doing this we'd probably all fall under like agnostic you know yeah yeah. um like mostly you know i think some people have gone and they're comfortable with that label of atheism like yeah i mean if you have to label me sure you can call me an agnostic Uh, i'm i'm really nowhere in those dualistic labels i think
0: Yeah. So, and look, I like the fact that you've used the term dualism. So for people who are going, ah, I don't know what that means. Mm. Run us through it. Run us through it.
1: Um, dualism. So it's, it's, it's that things aren't neither here nor there, nor black nor white. Um, Mm -hmm. not just this is sacred and this is secular. Mm -hmm. This is spiritual and this is not spiritual. This is material and this is immaterial. It's, That it's all the same thing. And I think that's probably the coolest thing about Jesus. He showed us that that is what man is, always Mm. been spiritual, always been both material and immaterial,
0: you know. I don't think they were
1: ever meant to be separate.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I I like that because I think an experience a lot of people had within – um, within evangelicalism, and, and I will kind of pause in this moment and say it's interesting for me to observe people calling fun, uh, calling evangelicalism its own form of fundamentalism. Um, it's interesting for me, and I don't disagree with it. In fact, mm. I, I think I relate quite strongly with it um, in that, you know, our parents, the, the kind of, um, you know, baby boomer generation, they sort of left the big institutes of religion. They left kind of Catholicism and um, and and those big kind of Protestant or Catholic right. Protestant um, institutions. And then they invented their they like, reinvented their own expression of faith that sort of accidentally bought across a lot of the legalism but placed it into different doctrines. And so like we've grown up with this this kind of very pathologized view of um of self and of our desires and of our experience of life that was kind of very right or wrong you know sin or not sin right right (laughs) and and so that's been that you know it's an interesting experience for people to try to kind of deconstruct that um so so this idea that you're talking about the dualism you know sitting in those gray areas and taking quite a philosophical approach to it, it's interesting to me. Right. What have some of the really helpful things? What, what are some of the kind of helpful things that you've found as you've kind of deconstructed and um, and found an expression of spirituality outside of church?. Mm
1: helpful things um well i I think i think most of us like these sorts of things you know podcasts that's something i've noticed in a lot of our circles too like (laughs) yeah there's a lot of these um hearing other people's experiences and stories and things like instagram where people are posting about hey this is what i'm going through and uh, lots of people being like oh crap like me too you know like yeah um a lot of those have been kind of helpful, knowing that you're not alone. Because yeah. I think that's, that's the hardest part about all this: it's feeling very mm-hmm. alone. But mm-hmm. I've kept I've kept a lot of the helpful things too. That you know, I think um, even evangelicalism gave me, which is I, I think you know the idea of prayer and um, yeah. learning about Jesus and really studying everything. And um, like I, I kind of came into the faith through you know folks like apologetics apologists you know yeah yeah. uh like c.s lewis and ravi zacharias and like you know the famous ones that we all hear about like i I came in through thinking like okay like faith is it's not apart from like thinking it's not apart from logic and it should be reasonable and if if it doesn't suit those you know those needs and the litmus test for all that like just throw it out you know so um and that's kind of how i that's how I came in, and that's kind of how I'm, I
0: guess, in some ways, leaving, yeah. <laughs> Oh, that is just laden with irony. and Yeah. Um, and even, okay, you've mentioned two names there, uh, C.S. Lewis and Ravi Zacharias. Mm-hmm. Um, C.S. Lewis uh, it was really a huge influence on me growing up, the, the corpus yeah. of 90. I still,
1: don't get me wrong, I still appreciate so much of what he's done.
0: Oh, look, sometimes I just read... I know they're kids' books. I know I'm in my 30s, oh, yeah. but hey, whatever. <laughs> sometimes I just read. Narnia is wonderful at all oh, ages. It's, yeah. it's beautiful. Um, sometimes I just read that to kind of feel good about the world again.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, it, it's, and it's definitely that. That's 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 something you can get from, I think,
0: faith. It's the hope, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, and then Ravi Zacharias. Wow, that's an interesting one Um, because in, gosh, I hope I'm naming the right person, but in in the wake of his death, some uh, allegations coming out about sexual misconduct that kind of really tarnishes, um, you know, kind of can tarnish a legacy and and perhaps it should. But um, I think the interesting challenge in all of this is kind of, Picking what is helpful, what is not helpful, picking what is truth and what is not truth. If we dare look at things through such a binary, um, right, right, a binary way. So, uh, but I guess we've kind of come a long way from the question I originally asked, uh, which is, you know, what happens when girls chat? Sometimes I think to make a generalization. Um, so, so you kind of started deconstructing when you were in your first leadership role. Um, what was your journey like from there? Um, goodness. I mean,
1: like, I mean, I guess I could go a, farther a little bit back, just for a little bit mm-hmm. more background, too. So I guess coming out of Hinduism, like, I was kind of the first convert in my family, and I think mm-hmm. from Indian culture and Hinduism, it was very hard. It felt like I was throwing away everything that yeah. I came from. Yep. Um, so uh, for the first few years of like my walk quote-unquote I I really didn't feel like I was supposed to go to church so really my faith was kind of built off of just like hearing messages online and um praying on my own and just reading the bible so even coming into before I even came into anything leadership related like my Mm. faith was always kind of my own anyway because it it wasn't formulated around like a like a church or this or that. Which, yeah. you know, I'll, I'll say that loosely because obviously I, I started meeting with some people who were also believers my age. Mm-hmm. I was 15, so it was people in high school that I knew. So obviously yeah. they would have helped mold it in some ways in that environment. Yeah. Um, but it, it still was different from theirs in a the sense. It didn't rely on, I guess, their pastor's authority or their, yeah. you know, their the doctrine and mission statements of their churches. But so... Once I left high school, you know, my parents and I, we were all very, you know, a lot of them had, you know, come to the faith. But also, like, I had, um, yeah, I started doing ministry with college ministry.
0: Um, oh, really? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And that was my first experience really doing anything leadership related and, like, yeah. within. And, like, college ministry is interesting. Like, it, it's it's very missional. And, like, mm-hmm. um, so everything is about i guess uh reaching people yeah um and like and like you know showing faith is like um i don't know it it, it, it's it's this right place right yeah like that's what it's described as the most it's considered like all the nations in one area so people are you know missionaries are crazy to go over there and (laughs) they want to Convert everyone, and yeah, you know, yeah. either through the rational mind or through the miraculous. And I was probably more chariz- charismatic at that point. So, yeah, yeah, um, a lot of Bethel
0: groups in my groups. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I'm pretty familiar. And ain't that. that a hot topic? But we'll get to that later. Yeah, sure. Yeah, <laughs> so, so I, with college ministry, yeah. hot bed of activity, leadership. Then what happened? Yeah, so
1: came into the college ministry area and you I, I was in a pretty serious relationship. And I, I think I realized, like, the first thing, there were some red flags going off. Not not, not even teaching related. Like, yeah. already some of my beliefs had changed. I, I mm-hmm. think even through the college ministry, because they believed women in leadership should be a thing. And, yeah, um, uh, you know, reading that in context, my belief on that had changed. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, like, women in ministry are a thing, and we can yeah. do that. And you yep. know, we are egalitarian, you know, move mm-hmm. past complementary views and things, you know. Yeah. Um, so the more I started reading in context that, like, you know, things like that would change and um, yeah. things with Bethel, too. But with the leadership, the biggest thing that stood out to me, I think, wasn't even really theological because I thought we were in a great place theologically yeah. because women were in ministry, you know, Yeah, uh, but really, <laughs> yeah, because then they've arrived, right? No, yeah. not really. Because I noticed pretty quickly, like goodness, like when you're part of church leadership, like you're volunteering what mm-hmm. a crazy amount of abusive time into all of this for almost nothing, you know, like yeah. I was, I was yeah. doing church like six days a week Yeah, Um, yeah. Like five hours uh, a day after school, you know, five to six hours a day after school. And then doing, you know, my schoolwork at, like, midnight or 1 a.m. It was crazy. What is
0: sleep? We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Right, (laughs) right. Like, yeah.
1: Like, I realized pretty quickly, I'm like, yeah, people are getting burnt out. And, you know, like, I, you know, I was super enthusiastic. I, I wasn't, you know, trying. I was trying really hard not to, but... Yeah. In reality, like, me and the person that I was with at the time, like, I could see him having his own crises and I was yeah. having... I, I I was of the belief that, man, we weren't doing enough, though, putting so much time in. I felt like we were wasting time yeah. um, doing ministry things but not, quote-unquote, reaching the loss. That's where I was yeah. at. Yeah. Um, so already, yeah. like that hypocrisy was being shown to me it's like okay if the church exists for people outside of itself and that's yeah. its purpose then yeah then we're then we failed at that because we're basically just doing bible studies to people inside and we're basically just catering to people's needs and beliefs yeah. and stuff through just messages like all the time um that's all we're doing. Like, we don't really care yeah. about people outside, you know. And, like, and like the more I was in that bubble, I realized pretty quickly, I was like, wow, okay. Um, yeah. I don't even know how to be friends with people outside of this group anymore. Because, uh, like, it's made me a, I, I, a, a worse religious person, you know. Because <laughs> that's all that's, I was doing. Yeah, yeah. But that's where I was at. Like, now I, I don't even hold to like a lot of those beliefs either of like that's how you should you know sh- church should be all missional but in some sense yeah. it's sort of true like like if 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 it was supposed to be if jesus was trying to start something and to be honest i don't think he he was you know like for yeah. the whole world i think he wanted to keep it in his little jewish circles um yeah like if that's he was a really interesting thought yeah yeah i think if, if he was trying to start something for the whole world Uh, I think it would have been to help uh, the poor and to, like, give power to the
0: marginalized, you know? Um. And this I find really interesting because um, Mm -hmm. in the kind of um, current iteration of church that we see, um, if it is missional um, domestically, like within the country you live in, I've observed that sometimes there's this, well, I guess it actually, within or you know, even overseas, but mm-hmm. you can kind of, people can kind of cherry pick, um, and kind of go for people who are kind of this neat middle class kind of contribution to this, you know, ideal church family that they're building or mm-hmm. they can, um or alternatively can go and reach out to um quote unquote the disadvantaged mm-hmm. um and then kind of treat them in a, in a well-intentioned way as lesser than um when really we're all human and we we're, we're kind of we all enter into this this journey of human life with you know a certain set of privileges or, or disadvantages and we're doing the best we can but we're all equal as human beings we're all equal value mm-hmm. you know regardless of our bank balance, but there can yeah. kind of be this power distance between us and those we're reaching out to or or alternatively we can kind of go looking for this neat middle class expression of, you know, this is our church and we're all very good looking and wear Fedora hats and <laughs> um <laughs> you know, saltwater sandals and we're all cool. Like, you know <laughs> Right. There is definitely
1: some of that, yeah. I, mm-hmm. I do remember a lot of that. yeah I I remember mostly where I was like it, they were definitely consumed in their own circle and in their yeah. own bubble that they didn't really listen. That's the thing even when they tried to be missional it was and I thought this was okay at the time like it was yeah. still it was still people only hearing what they wanted to hear and and people only like doing what they thought those people you know, the loss needed, like it was their own narrative and agenda of what they thought the loss needed, but never really listening to, hey, like, it's not spiritual stuff. They need It's it's they need they need the church to finally act on justice. They need the church to finally act on, you know, the poor and talk about these things and talk about hard stuff, you know, and maybe even, you know, start answering questions that we're never allowed to talk about, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. and That, that I think, is the time we're in at the moment, really. I think that kind of murmur has become a bit of a, a roar <laughs> about right. how the, the church needs to act on some things. And we kind of, again, we kind of moved away from the Black Lives Matter movement onto um, a bit of a tangent. But that's, you know, that's it's, okay. it's, one, it's yeah. one area of injustice that, that we can become so blind to, even in our well-intentioned kind mm. of cushy, uh, middle-class kind of way is we can become really blind to the stuff Mm. that's going on. And and while it might be uncomfortable to listen to, I think it's good for us, well, for, for me as a white person, for people like me, to actually sit and listen to people, even if they're ranting, even if they're accusing me of... Of being part of a systemic problem, that I might go, no, well no, I'm not. I, I have gay, f- I have gay friends. Oh, that's another area, right? Very um, <laughs> performative, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I have, I have black friends, and, and you know, right? We actually right. need to be able to sit and, and listen to that, and not about us personally, but about the systems we're part of that we might be have been blind to. Um, but it's definitely a time in history where those social injustices that have become just so bedded down within the fabric of society are really being called out um mm-hmm. uncomfortable though it is we kind of have to sit with that don't we
1: yeah yeah I, I
0: think yeah, yeah. i think as, as like
1: a you know I'm an, I'm an indian woman so like i think yeah. as like an asian american woman like yeah. I, i'm kind of looking at a lot of this and you know of course like i i you know relate a lot to yeah. the black lives matter movement being like someone who's not a person in power necessarily, but a lot of, you know, my community, the Asian American community has kind of taken, uh, they've been very divided, like more than you would think, very surprisingly. They've been more, because like we've had to address, I think our own racism, and Uh our own colorism in our communities and realize, hey, like we have our own crap too, but then also realize like a lot of us just feel like we're Mm -hmm. exempt from Um, Black Lives Matter. Like, it's not our narrative because we're not black. Or, like, oh, hey, like, we're fine because we're, you know, most of us have done well off in the United States. or But really, that's not not true at all. Like, we're... We have our own set of issues and we have our own... And until civil rights come for, I think, like, black Americans, like, it it won't Mm -hmm. happen for the rest of us. And that's how it's been. Like, the Civil Rights Act was the reason my family's here, you know? It's the reason you know, anyone that's not just, you know, um, here because of slavery or, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Not just here because, you know, like of the Mayflower, like are are here.
0: Colonialism and all its bullshit. (laughs) Right,
1: exactly. So if it doesn't happen for black America, it doesn't happen for the rest of us.
0: Yeah, and I I really like that that point you raise. Um, Yeah. Yeah, if it doesn't happen for one of us, it doesn't happen for all. Yeah, Um, and yeah. yeah. So, so you started to pull at this thread of, of, of you know, reaching outside of mm-hmm. your own circle and, and then kind of the threads start to unwind. Um, what was the point at which you kind of really went, oof, okay, I think I'm done with church? Ah, um... I don't know. I I I still have <laughs> That's a hard question I know.
1: Yeah, because I I don't even know if I'm even like totally done. Like I I still yep. have this belief and this hope that man, I think if I mean some people hold to this, some people don't in yeah. in our communities, I think our circles, but I I guess it's the belief that if you give I think if you, I'm, I probably will do my next post on this, honestly. But <laughs> if 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 we give Christianity back to the marginalized, I think it might have a chance. Ooh, yeah. ooh, I like that. Say more yeah. things. Yeah, <laughs> I th- I, th- I think it might have a chance. So I think yeah, if, if that if anything, I believe in that Christianity. I think it. Yeah. I believe in you know the Christianity of, um, the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah, I, I think that's where we need to go back. I think, um, mm-hmm. I think those are the beliefs that I, th- you know, will actually flip over the whole world and, yeah, and be the hope. You know, and I'm not, I'm not even saying it as like, oh, Jesus, the hope, like the a yeah. white savior kind of hope. I, I'm saying it as like, I think it will teach us a lot of things, um, yeah. and I think you know that's true of every faith. I think once we give it back to the people. You know, yeah. once we give everything back to the people, I think we'll be better off. <laughs> that, that's to and, speak of capitalism too, I guess.
0: Yeah, well, I was I was gonna say like yeah. um, the idea of giving Christianity back to the marginalized is so at odds with some of the movements that we're seeing within the within evangelicalism at the moment. Yeah, uh, things like dominionism, things like uh, seeking out. Power as brazenly right. as as you know, right. You know, I
1: recently heard about the seven mountains and I was like I didn't even oh. realize that was a thing until I was like <laughs> oh crap like I remember a church I went to actually saying that like not realizing it was the same thing, you know, it's very yeah. subtle in some
0: places Well, this is the thing that I found really interesting and I guess yeah. I this is part of my journey of deconstruction is right. um I <clears throat> Okay, here's my dirty secret guys I wrote two. No- I wrote two novels.
1: <laughs> oh wow!
0: Yeah, I did. Um, and I've removed both of them from circulation. But the the challenge with the second one, was because I was in a very heavily dominionistic church. Now, mm. um, the thing is. A lot of these churches don't actually know what to call their doctrines. You don't see a, a, a preacher get up on um, on a Sunday and go, "Right, I am speaking about dominionism, and it comes from reconstructionism from Rush Dooney. And, no, you know, if Rush they Dooney said was that,
1: we wouldn't. We'd, people wouldn't go there. Like it would be no. very
0: explicitly
1: racist. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Exactly. So what what happens is a, a a pastor or a leader kind of hears something from somewhere else, and it mm. kind of resonates with them, and then we can kind of cherry pick in the Bible, and it feels right it feels good who doesn't feel good when they have an opportunity to go oh God wants power for me right
1: (laughs) right if they said it like that yeah
0: it would be it would be very
1: classist and
0: yeah it'd be everything the opposite of what Jesus taught yeah yeah exactly so um, so the movement I was part of like and it's still like I'm five years out now um, Mm -hmm. but like we used to go overseas to where kind of the head of the network was And, like, they'd write a lot of their own songs and there's people from kind of all these different countries, you know, they're together and it all feels very revolutionary. Like, we have a higher truth than everybody else, but there was this this one song. Um, Now, we never knew that what we were being taught was dominionism, but, Mm -hmm. like, there was this song sung by this sweet little Chinese Malay guy who's just adorable. But, Mm -hmm. like... There's all these people he's like what time is it and everybody yells back it's time to take over what time is it what's time to oh, take oh wow over? yeah and like and we would actually just be kind of yelling this out like our the very fiber of our being was resonating with this message and then and then we're kind of hearing about the systems of the world and it was seven mountains dominionism and i never realized until i actually started to look into it um so you know now within australia we've got um kind of branch stacking scandals within um kind of right-wing politics Politics is one in the news at the moment in the state that I live in about, um, you know, about the Liberal Party stack. or want a couple of members of the Liberal Party um, stacking branches with Christians and Mormons and kind of fringe groups to, you know, kind of bolster up the right faction of the party. And look, you know, politics will always have its, its arguments and its factions and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But I'm seeing really good intention Christians actually being dragged into this turf war that's about power and it's not about Jesus but yet they're well-intentioned, you know? Yeah. And it's – so that was one of the first things that started to go for me was I was actually writing a book that was supposed to be about kind of – the end game, like what life would look like if the church was able to take over in the seven dominions of society. And I hate to tell you, it was looking a lot like The Handmaid's Tale. And oh, I was God. like, this is, this is so not utopian. Oh, my gosh. This is not <laughs> utopian.
1: <laughs> I don't I don't know if you heard this. You know, I don't know how much you give up with our American politics, but recently, like, uh, Trump's new nominee for the Supreme Court, she, you know, her, her religious group, they were, the women in the group were called
0: handmaids. Uh, Amy Coney Barrett, right? Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. so like, I'm yeah, actually you're horrified. I'm actually it.
0: horrified,
1: right? It's not, it's not, you know, like I don't know how sexually they're handmaids, but they do have yeah. like male guardianship and things like that, like a lot of the same mm. things. Yeah,
0: yeah, and and that's why what you were saying before is so important, both yeah. about handing church back to the marginalized and about until civil rights happen for you know, right. They don't have, I, I
1: really know. think if it's if this is gonna work. If if faith at all for any group any any religious group if it's gonna work I think I think you have to give it back to the people who yeah. held it in the first place I think once the marginalized truly are you know once yeah. once they're what is it uh, Jesus taught which which yeah. is the least of these being greatest once that once that's yeah. the reality like I think then it will actually work maybe mm-hmm. the way it was supposed to work you know.
0: Yeah, In a way where it's
1: actually helping the world instead of, you know, like making yes. it go backwards, you know.
0: Yeah, instead of colonizing the world. Um, right, right. Yeah. I think
1: it, it'll let people actually be more free in whatever faith
0: they're yeah. part of
1: and grow up in, you know. And, and yeah. Christianity is just more of a principle yeah. that like flows within that instead of like diminishing and colonizing.
0: Yeah. yeah. And just just as you said that, um, you know, it's interesting that the first people to witness the resurrection were Middle Eastern women. Right. Um, <laughs> which is okay. kind of an interesting cross-section of people who we may not necessarily think of right. straight away when we think of empowered humanity in the year 2020. Um, <laughs> right, so, you know, right. Like the whole Bible,
1: none of it's written by white people. Like, you right. know, like none of it's written for or by white people. And I even,
0: I even love the fact that Jesus has become this kind of White person that looks like yeah. a little bit like a little bit like Joel Houston. Let's be honest, um. a little bit, yeah. <laughs> mix between like
1: Joel Houston and like Jared Leto and like
0: yeah, right. yeah, it's just
1: a really confusing mix, yeah.
0: <laughs> and I don't, yeah. I don't want a deity that's kind of a little bit of a sex symbol. I mean, that's just two areas that I just want really oh, far yeah. apart. <laughs>
1: yeah, Jared Leto. Yeah, that would be. Yep. And that's kind of oh my gosh that's that's its own topic of people purity culture and girls mm-hmm. being married to Jesus and Finding mm-hmm. romance with Jesus, and I, I was part of that group for a long time.
0: So, oh yeah, you know, I I sung Jesus Lover of My Soul as if it wasn't yeah really creepy when you think about it. Mm-hmm. And I saw a cartoon during the week by the Naked Pastor on Instagram. He's always good if you want to laugh and <laughs> a challenge. But yeah Jesus <laughs> sitting by the side of a bed of a of a couple, and one of them. Oh came. yeah. Do you you think maybe you could leave us or forsake us just just for a few minutes? Um, Yeah. I had a bit of a giggle about that because I've always had this question in my mind of where exactly is the jurisdiction of the cloud of witnesses? Like, are they allowed? And, you know, (laughs) know, how literal um, they are and, yeah, where they are. Yeah. yeah, All
1: that kind of stuff. Oh, my goodness.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I just, I don't even
1: know. That's its own. That's just. There's so many things going on there, like, mm -hmm. in purity culture. Like, if you want to see what a mess, like, that there is in evangelicalism, like, just go there first. Yeah. Because you could spend your whole life there and still not understand. Yeah. And, like, and see so many things wrong with it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I was talking to somebody right back at the beginning of my deconstruction of all of that, Uh, back when I was happily married and my husband hadn't come out as gay, um, Mm. you know, so i never thought i'd have to really deconstruct purity culture but i remember this guy saying this this was really the legalism of our generation and it wasn't badly intentioned by the people who introduced it they were searching for a better way but in doing so kind of stripped an entire generation of their agency when it came to sexuality and made it a very pathologized thing where where desire was evil and that that switch is supposed to flip as soon as you get married and and for a lot of us it's just didn't there was too much baggage attached to it but you're right that is one of those threads that if you pull at it you you know there's a lot there's a lot behind it that's you know a, it's a lot of mess and we've got a lot to clean up there in terms of putting back together some really damaged lives that have kind of learnt to separate themselves into good and evil. this part of me is good, this part of me is evil and we actually need to integrate that all together and realize that we are, whole human beings that we're made up of all these parts and no part Mm -hmm. of us is bad Mm -hmm. um and yet that was a difficult lesson to learn Um, and it's totally natural you know mm -hmm. like everything we're
1: talking about even when it comes to homosexuality and Mm -hmm. you know transgender people like Mm -hmm. these are all seen within nature and science Mm -hmm. it's it's not abnormal at all you know these things are it's just it's just the way we've talked about them in our recent history that makes it yeah. seem unnatural in our recent human history. You know, out of the yeah. hundreds of thousands of years of human history.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and yet we kind of we kind of think that um, that our worldview is superior to all that's gone before. So yeah, that, that's an area of deconstruction. But um, you know, I, I suppose another thing that I wanted to—I'll I'll tell you a story, and you can maybe just tell me sure. what you think of it. Um, I'm at the supermarket this previous week and i'm with two very spirited uh preschoolers and mm-hmm. you know things weren't going well um so i've got one just crying in the trolley and i've got one throwing toothbrushes everywhere because that's what you do in an, an island a supermarket so um, i told my son to pick up the toothbrushes and he was like mm-hmm. resisting me and but i was like no this is a parenting moment i'm going to parent him and not just cover my own embarrassment And along comes this older gentleman and um, he went he bent to pick up the toothbrush and I said, no, thank you, sir. I'm just, this is a parenting moment. I'm teaching my son to clean up Mm, his mess mm -hmm. and to respect other people's property. He's like, oh, okay, you're being a good mother. And I was like, oh, thank you. And he goes, and let me tell you something. It really helps if your husband's pulling in the same direction. And I kind of bristled (laughs) a little bit um, because I, A, we've separated um, and he could tell that because I wasn't wearing a wedding ring. Um, And I saw him look at my hands, but, but my ex-husband actually lives with us. It's like Will and Grace parenting children together, fantastic (laughs) partnership and a fantastic friendship. Mm -hmm. And then he starts to, and then he goes, I'm actually a born again Christian and I'm trying to wrangle these two kids. (laughs) And he starts, always the worst timing. (laughs) Uh huh. So respectful of the fact that I've got, you know, two kids crying by now. He starts to prophesy over me in the supermarket and i was like hold up mm-hmm. man i'm i'm actually a pastor's daughter um i don't i don't need this and he's actually then takes his mask off um now in melbourne in covid-19 you have to wear a mask and yeah. this other shopper comes up and says uh mate you, you've taken your mask off um i'm not comfortable with that and he turns around and goes well i'm a child of god and what you say doesn't matter <laughs> and i was oh like standing goodness. there going And he actually followed me for three aisles when I was like, because I was like, who cares about the toothbrushes? I don't care about the toothbrushes. I've put Henry on the back of the trolley and started pushing him off again. And um, this guy actually just followed me and chewed my ear off. And I realized what he was doing was um, uh, something called called treasure hunting, Um, which was something that my previous church – Um, my dad's church actually learnt from a Bethel. Yep, uh,
1: I was thinking, I'm like, it's definitely (laughs) like, they definitely were the catalyst for that, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. so treasure
0: hunting is this thing where you actually go, you go kind of, you get this list of characteristics in mind and and go looking for them in the supermarket. Now let me tell you, I did not feel moved. I did not feel stirred to return to church. I felt like I was being accosted by somebody with a mental illness. Yeah. Um, And with no respect for what was actually going on in my life at that time. (laughs) And I raised the story because I thought, wow, I've actually taken part in practices like that.
1: Yeah, I'm thinking about the moments I've done that too. Mm. Like when I was in leadership and we did the same thing. And honestly, like the prophetic things I was saying, like these people like – still felt like it resonated with them. But looking back on it, I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't even know, I don't even know how to like, I don't know, interpret any of that anymore. It's like, okay, like there was something there, but at the same time, like, I don't know how I feel about ever doing that again, you know? Like, it's just, it just feels so wrong to just go into someone's space and tell them like what to do and who they are and all these things, yeah.
0: Yeah, and I guess the, the question that I that I want to ask is how do you handle that when people from your previous life maybe or people who are still in that hardcore evangelical kind of uh, or hardcore church environment yeah. of any type kind of judge your deconstruction and, and bring their worldview in when a lot of us are kind of struggling or have struggled in order to find a place that all of a sudden we're in charge of our own relationship with the divine and our own ethical standards as we kind of and our own efforts at altruism as we just live our life on earth how do you deal with that when people kind of accost you whether you know them or whether you don't and it actually triggers that oh wow this is where I've come from how do you Uh, yeah I
1: mean it happened kind of more recently I had some people visiting and honestly a lot of these people are some of them are still the ones that I'm close with are still like you know, they're dear friends to me. I do have some that are still mm-hmm. um, in in those circles. And yeah. um, they kind of know where I'm at. Some more than others. If The closer they are okay. to me, the more they know, um, yeah. obviously. Um, and, you know, I had a little bit of that happen. Like, you know, when a few of them were visiting me recently. And yeah. I, I was, they were like, well, let me pray for you. And I was mm-hmm. like, okay. I mean, like, prayers good you know why not (laughs) um like I still believe in that um and then it just turned into like this prophetic thing where it was accusing me of you know being in darkness and accusing Uh, yeah yeah. of like you know all these (laughs) prophetic words that were like okay like I'm very off and you know what what they have to say is you know what I have to listen to and you know uh like where I used to be is you know the right place to be not where I'm headed you know Yeah. yeah so that was pretty uncomfortable. It definitely triggered Mm. me. It's funny, though, like, as they were praying, because I was, was, like, sitting and just, like, kind of laying there. I, like, fell asleep. So (laughs) I don't know if that was my body just rejecting it and just being like, I am done listening to this shit and I'm just going to go to bed, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I I don't know. That was, like, the more recent time that I remember or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. But other times, you know, I, 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 I talk here and there about, like, a, like a past really serious relationship I had and it was well within, you know, when I was in leadership and in college and and in purity culture and all those things. And and I realized, okay, some of the stuff that my ex used to say, it was very sexist and manipulative, Mm -hmm. which is very abusive. Um, Mm -hmm. And like once I realized that, you know, and like I shared, I never shared like a name or anything, but a bunch of people from my old circles came about and they're like, you shouldn't share about this. It makes that person look bad you know, like, and I'm, and I'm like flabbergasted. Like you're telling me that you believe me, but you're also Uh saying like, I shouldn't share anymore because it makes someone look like, because it makes my abuser look bad. Like you are the reason victims are silenced. Like that logic is exactly what's wrong with all of this,
0: you know? Yeah. And I'm just going to say this because it's not said enough. It's okay for abusers to feel bad because what they did was bad. Like, it's okay. And a lot of people, myself included, have been silenced when it comes to um, the actions of their abusers. And, Mm -hmm. um, there's like, I was telling somebody about some serious, serious allegations that were actually in court at the moment. Mm -hmm. Um, Wow. And she said to me, oh, that never happened. And I was like, it's, you know, it's before the court's. Like, there's evidence. Um, And she's like, oh, the person, they're just offended. And I was like, yeah, that kind of abuse is pretty offensive. Right, right. The onus actually isn't on the victim to just not be offended over what happened to them. Um, But Mm -hmm. actually, because I don't think a lot of people realize when you're talking about good church people um, or when you're talking about... Christian leaders, even who might have been the perpetrators of of, of abuse of any type um, or even part of covering it up, you know, it's they should be called out because the church is not supposed to be an institution where abusers can hide and call it grace and call it forgiveness. It's actually a place where the marginalized should feel safe. Right. And that's where we've got to, I think, flip the narrative. And we've just got to be better. If you don't want people saying bad things about you, don't do bad things. Like that's kind of.
1: Right. Especially from a place that, you know, it's it's supposed to be the hospital for the broken. It's supposed to be, you know, a place uh, where the truth and where the, where God resides. Right. Like you would expect a higher standard to be held than, you know, like at least Our political sphere which is funny because it's it's just as bad as that we're just saying something yeah
0: it's the the worst sort of mirror isn't it
1: (laughs) yeah yeah
0: you're like it should be better
1: than corporations and politicians but really it's it's just as bad if not worse and leading the way for these groups to have power which is insane to me
0: so how did you actually deal with that in that moment where people like oh don't make your make don't make this person seem bad
1: right right um well, I, I told them exactly what I told you. I, I, it's yeah. like that silences victims, and, mm. you know, for the sake of the person that abused them. And they actually were shocked because I, I, I this is a very genuine, like, ooh, lovely yeah. person, you know. Um, yeah. But they were shocked because I don't think they realized that they were doing it. It's so ingrained. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think in just the narratives and the rhetoric of purity yeah. culture and like, yeah. and yeah. just even just church culture, you know, telling yeah. people like, oh, you know, that person is like a big deal now. Like, don't say anything. You know, you don't want to yeah. hurt their ministry or their witness or, yeah. you know, yeah. like, or whatever's going on in their lives. Like, you know, yeah. don't ruin it for them. Yeah. So, I yeah, and yet
0: the bigger a person's ministry becomes, the more the power distance changes between them and the people that they can take advantage of. Right. So really, uh, you know, we've had this. We've had this kind of. I think a very true thing um, said in churches is if you're faithful in the small things, then you can be trusted with the big things. Yeah. Um, this is true. And but that's a good also, word. Yeah, I wish yeah, we
1: follow through on that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, and look, the reason I kind of I wanted to s- sort of highlight um, your ability to call it out is because I think a lot of people, um, certainly people that listen to this podcast and a lot of people who've de-churched or deconverted or deconstructed right. have, have done so because of asking questions um that people didn't want them to ask or because they've kind of called something out that that an institution has kind of decided to cover up rather than to confront and and stuff like that i guess i'm moving away from a place where i'm somebody else gets to govern how i live out my faith and it's a process because sometimes you get triggered and sometimes you can feel the shame and the guilt that you need to kind of come back and toe somebody else's line. But that always comes with this icky feeling. And then I have to kind of stand back and go, actually, no, God is in me. Right. Um, You know, God is everywhere. God isn't more in one person and less in another, Mm -hmm. Um, you know. And I kind of come at that this way uh, these days from a little different position. I really related to what you said about metaphysical theism, because maybe that's how I feel most of the time. I right. certainly feel, Yeah, I certainly feel that there's something out there. I certainly right. feel that there's a force that, that animates the universe and that there is this right. metaphysical and realm. And it's just as
1: much inside of you. Like, I guess that's yeah. where the atheism resonates too, where it's like, um, yeah. like this, the God or whatever, this power isn't outside of us.
0: Like, yeah. 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 It's, it's inside of us. Right. And and it's, you know, it is, when you sort of go down this kind of quantum physics rabbit hole or, you know, mm-hmm. any different, like if you look at some of the, the, the nicer, more helpful aspects of many different faiths and, and creeds, you actually see something that's uniting and that it's beautiful rather than being this kind of divisive and dogmatic thing. But claiming your own right to actually stand in that and explore that and, and find your own way through is something that people really struggle with, but is absolutely our right to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, shunning labels is, is an interesting thing, but I don't think you lose your right to go to heaven if you don't call yourself a Christian. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I think maybe if there is a heaven, it depends on how you live.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I don't
0: know what I think yeah. about a lot of days. What about you? <laughs>
1: oh man i'm figuring this out um yeah i think you know the heaven and hell that that was something i spent probably six years on and off studying Mm -hmm. it it made the person that i used to be with so uncomfortable that i like paused on it plus i had all my own health stuff coming up all of a sudden um so that itself was like oh my gosh like does you know god healing and all this different thing like all this stuff came up. Um, oh, and, you know, like, how strong does my faith have to be for this healing or whatever? Yeah. Um, like, all that kind of baggage from faith came out. But um, yeah. but definitely heaven and hell. That's been something I've been sitting on for a long time. I've, yeah. I've been um, reading some of Bar- Bart Ehrman's books on heaven okay. and hell. He just did one. Yeah. Um, and, like, he believes Jesus was purely an annihilationist. And it was Paul who was more... Paul, which I think is pretty accurate. I think Paul is universalist. I think Jesus is the annihilationist. Ooh, um, but I think Jesus okay. was only an annihilationist, like, um, when he had to respond to questions, I think, about judgment. Um, okay. Yeah. Like, he was – I don't think he, like – I don't know if he actually believed in it or if it was just mm-hmm. his responses. Um, okay. So
0: so step me back. For people who are going, oh, what do those two words mean? Right. Annihilationism versus the other one
1: right so annihilationism is like death perishing it's it's the wicked have no life after um Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, but but you know the the righteous or whatever the god-believing like they'll go to heaven though but Mm -hmm. um and universalism is that eventually all will um be saved um and depends on the universalism i i think most christians that are universalists are they're not pluralistic mm. in their universalism. Like, they don't yeah. think, like, every way is correct necessarily. I think a lot yeah. of Christian universalism is, um, like, through Christ, everyone will eventually be saved, you know.
0: Yeah, this um, is this is so interesting when it comes to the inconsistencies within theology these days, yep. though, because mm-hmm. we can talk as if we're universalists, but we're also a little bit Calvinistic in thinking that only the elect will come to God. And so right. We're really not all going to, you know, come to Christ one day, are we? Like... And we can actually carry these clashes around and be completely unaware of it. Right, right. Um, so, you know, yeah, that's interesting. Gosh, I, I like the idea of Jesus um, as an annihilationist, to be
1: quite Yeah, honest. and only when he was responding to people that were acting um, uninclusively. Yeah. Um, so I, I think he was just saying, like, heaven is all around us. Um, yeah. And... Uh, uh, Bart Ehrman, you know, he he takes it more as like if you believe in Jesus, like that will be yeah. like those people will be saved. Not necessarily like yeah. the way I'm taking it from reading Jesus is, yeah, mm. like Jesus was an annihilationist, but only to the people that weren't being inclusive. He's saying like if you aren't inclusive, you're already like you're missing yeah. heaven within you. Like being being uninclusive makes makes heaven not able to like be fully open within you. Like that's what I'm uh, yeah. reading it as. Um and so
0: that I can get behind. That right. is beautiful. Yeah.
1: Right. And that's that's probably where I'm at. I think Bart is pretty accurate. I think yeah. you know, that's where dualism comes into play and in binary thinking. Um mm-hmm. I love Bart Ehrman, but I think yeah. in some ways like I I differ in the more metaphysical aspect and the more mm-hmm. like non dualistic aspect of like Hey, like, yeah. I, th- I think that has more to do with how Jesus responded uh, yeah. to people who didn't want to allow heaven to be inclusive, you know? Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: He's saying, okay, you don't want this to be inclusive, then I'll tell you, you're the one that
0: won't be included. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, oh, man, do I ever see that as being the core struggle within social justice these yep. days? And it really seems so many times like the cork in the ass of progress is the conservative church. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry to use such a crass term, but it's It's so
1: crazy because so much... I was thinking, and that's basically why I did the last post on white supremacy. Mm -hmm. I was thinking, I'm like, a lot of what we're... uh, A lot of our politics today, Mm -hmm. like everything is based off of where you stand um, Mm -hmm. when it comes to, I think, religious beliefs. Because like... Yeah. Um... I think the reason we talk about women being equal and like the justices matter so much is because um, the church was the reason we had to um, basically, what's the word, like break away from that. Like the church was the reason we have to have this political talk. The church was the reason we have to have this political stance. Like they created the boundaries of like in and out. So we have these parties because of those conversations from the church.
0: Yeah, and it's really a time for honest reflection I mm-hmm. think and um and, and here's here's my thing, like a lot of people once they've kind of gone on this deconstruction journey, depending on their level of trauma that they carry with them, yeah. Can feel a great compulsion to campaign for social justice, for inclusion, and for the things that should be you know it, it should be part of the the christian church we should be inclusive we should like the the brave network over here which is a group for lgbti awesome. christians yeah. and their allies they've they've put together this language that that helps people figure out where whether a church is affirming or not um because they've discovered that um it's actually more dangerous for a person to be in a church that they think is affirming until the moment that they want to be in a relationship with a person of their preferred gender and the church goes oh you can't be part of our kids ministry team anymore because you know, and and all outcomes of the bad theology. It's more dangerous for an LGBT person to be in that church than in a church that outwardly says, you know, that's outwardly homophobic. Yeah, because they simply, you know, that person would simply be like, you know, well, I can't be part of this, and so they get. That's out of there, interesting. But, yeah, that's yeah. another
1: take on some stuff yeah. I've already kind of heard because I've been hearing okay, like. Churches have to say if they're affirming or not, and if they're affirming, like, they're good. But you t- you've you shown me even more, like, wow, okay, even if they are affirming, it still can be damaging.
0: Yeah, um, and it's if they're yeah. welcoming but not affirming, oh, we welcome you be part right. of our congregation. Right,
1: that's confusing,
0: right? Yeah. So and they the find out later, of- like, oh, crap, like, yeah. everyone's going to, you know yep. burn me now you know yeah 100% so the brave network put together some language around that and the part of the language that they used was god's intended diversity Yeah. and cuz that cuz god's intended diversity that is you know that's so much that is <laughs> Women, that is minorities, that is yeah. people of all skin colors, all you know, financial situations, that is people of all genders and sexual orientations, and yet we can react out of, I think, you know, because I'm studying psychology at the moment, which is super oh, fun. Wow. But, um, mm-hmm. but, you know, I think the the core drive of the human organism is survival. And when we come up against an idea that is uncomfortable for us, or we come up in, into a situation that's uncomfortable for us, we instantly go into self-protection. And instead of actually... Um, so, so, you know, in church, people come up against things that challenge them, or that are uncomfortable for them, and we run from that discomfort. Um, and we hide behind bad doctrines, but... You know, there is nothing threatening about. Here's my favorite one: transgender. Right. <laughs> There's nothing like I have transgender friends. I would happily use the same bathroom as them. It's, yeah. It's not. A, it ain't no thing. And it, it's no terrible. one is intentionally
1: trying to hurt someone else. There's this weird no. fear that's. Surrounding the (sighs) rhetoric uh, around these people, you know, like even when it comes to athletics, they're like, "Oh, they're just trying to take over women's sports." It's like, no, actually, they came in assuming that they were women, but most of them are intersex, and we haven't defined what a woman is. Like, you know, they have the same chromosomes, but their hormones are a little different. You know, like, so what makes a woman? No one's intentionally trying to like break women's sports. You know, no, they're just trying to do what they know.
0: Silly, yeah. and I suppose the point that I'm kind of getting at that, like we've come away from church with various different degrees of trauma. Um, so it's not always safe for us in terms of our mental health, mm-hmm. in terms of our emotional well-being to be the ones that campaign for social justice. Mm-hmm. In a certain area, like a person who's been really hurt by patriarchy might not mm-hmm. be the person who needs to campaign for feminism straight away. Healing right. might be necessary first. A person who has faced white supremacy and, in, and you know, racism in the church or anywhere, really, it may be a trigger For some serious like anxiety and depression or post traumatic stress disorder or whatever it is for that person to actually have to face their own oppression, Um, and you know so that's where allies are just so important. Um, and that's where the understanding of wherever you are is okay. Your your level of trauma is okay. And find your yeah. people. Find the people who make you safe. And um and and don't feel like you always need to be the one campaigning for social justice. When what you might need to be able to do is actually tell your story to somebody who can campaign for, for social justice. And um, you know, and I hope people aren't kind of offended by that because. Also, I know that um, like with Black Lives Matter, for example, I'm a white woman, so I'm not the one to be able to be talking about this, but I can share a blog from a person of color. You know, I can I can interview a person of color on my podcast. I can elevate stories. And that's the I I I'm glad you're difference. aware of that, you know. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, because, you know, I don't know anything about this. I just know that it hurts people. Yeah. And and that I need to share my microphone
1: (laughs) if only we could keep it back to that simplicity you know of like hey this is bad because people are hurt by it and they're dying you know instead of like turning it into oh my goodness like like this the leader like believes this one thing that i don't believe therefore the Mm -hmm. whole movement is unjust and awful yeah it's become all these things where i'm like okay like this is black lives matter like these people are trying to not die and yep. you know, they're trying not to be brutalized every day and be afraid of the people that should protect them, you know? yeah. Like, and I <laughs> kind of think that's valid. Yeah, oh <laughs> like it's ridiculous that we're tearing down a whole movement. It, it's ironic, mm. you know, like we yeah. won't tear down Trump, like yeah. for the little things that he says, but like we'll tear down this whole movement for like one thing a leader believes within the movement.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. It's ironic and weird. Although, if you're going to tear down Trump over one thing that he says, should have been grabbing by the pussy. I it know. Have in I know <laughs> that that
1: was enough for me to say, okay, I won't vote for this person. You know, yeah. but it's not enough for a lot. Of, they think it's just locker room talk, and they yeah. think it's just boys will be boys, and I, I don't know. I have so many problems with that.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Gosh, I definitely feel like we could go for a second hour, but um, but look, mm-hmm. food. Food is a thing I like to keep. <laughs> okay. Yeah, go eat your food. That's totally cool with me. No, I was saying you should be able to go eat your food, but, um, you know, it, food is important. Eat. What I would love is for you to share with us where people can find you on the socials and, and anywhere else that you've created some beautiful content for us to engage sure. with. Sure.
1: Um, so mostly Instagram. Um, my Instagram is dchurched underscore girl. Um, yep. And you'll find my content. I... Don't post as much as I think people would like. I post probably Mm -hmm. once a week, um, but I do a lot of my stories and I engage with anyone who messages me with questions or concerns and I'll take correction, you know, so Mm -hmm. no one is immune to that. So uh, I'm down to learn with people wherever they're headed.
0: And do you know what? I think that should be the beauty of the deconstruction movement in a nutshell. It should be about learning together. Not kind of forcing people into another sort of dogma and another sort of legalism. Yeah. um, When we're all on these different paths, so I I love what you do. I love that it is uh, quality over quantity. Um, (laughs) And you know, that's that's a okay. As much as I would also be happy if you posted more, but uh, it's fine. (laughs) Thank you. I'll I'll be sure to
1: tell people about this too. This is really fun. You're
0: great to talk to. Thank you. And likewise. Um, So, yeah, I hope you'll pop on the podcast another day. But in the meantime, Sani, D. Church to Girl, thank you so much for being on Unchurchable. Thank you for having me.